Keep the change, you filthy animal. Where's the beef? Hey, how you doing? Hold on to your butt. Feels like an Arby's snack. Mine. Son of a... That's gonna leave a mark. Chili, baby, back with Well, what if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. This is Tom and Jim's Top 5. Naming their top five lists on everything pop culture. Celebrating the 90s, sports, movies, music, and more. They're not authorities, just grown children. Here's your hosts, Tom Skull and Jim Doubt. I'm hoping when you come it'll at least be like sunny in 40s. Yeah, it's always sunny in Cleveland. Is that a thing? No, that's never a thing. Okay. Well, I hope, I just hope when I come visit you that you're actually there. It's 50-50. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Either there or you're not. <sighs> How you doing, man? I'm good. Yeah, kind of, I just, yeah, I'm just, like I said, I'm just tired, but I'm really excited. I was actually pumped that you said you wanted to wait to the show. I'm like, oh, cool. And so I watched another movie last night. <laughs> And then finished all my research, and I'm like, I feel like I got a handle on this uh, all my stuff now instead of just willy nilly. <laughs> so, uh, I'm still willy nilly. But yeah, um, but that's why I like you. I, you know, looking through Spielberg movies. Yeah, I've realized that I don't really like Spielberg movies. You know, it's funny he made some duds. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's him or the story or whatever, but there's some that. There's some that are like really good, and then there's some that are are really bad, and there's not many in the middle. I don't know. That's just the way I feel about him. But I, I think so. And and he made some really good movies, but I was never like a huge fan of most of them. So like my list is my favorite Spielberg movies, but it's skewed because I really don't like many Spielberg movies. Right. So it's like yeah, yeah, this could be one of my favorite ones in the grand scheme of ones he directed, but it yeah. doesn't mean it's really one of my favorite movies. I guess there's only two on my list that I actually really like. Well, that's okay. There's there's five on my list that I like. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like his movies, but they're they're um they're not like my overall favorite movies. I mean, they they weren't on my favorite movie list if you remember from back yeah. when we did that. So, you know, but yeah, well, this will be fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Should we get our show started? Yeah, okay. You good? Are you are you done uh, willy nilly in it over there? Do you got your stuff all set up or? Yeah, there's a there's a computer screen open. Okay. Let's see what happens. <laughs> all right. Well, then I'm gonna say this. Hello, everybody. This is Tom and Jim's top five. I am Tom. Middle name here, Skull. And because Jim... family name, <laughs> yes, it's a family name. <laughs> it's 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 Pennsylvania Dutch. I didn't know if you knew that. Um, <laughs> and you, sir, are Jimothy. Here we go. Jimothy Eduardo <laughs> Eduardo <laughs> Riviera Doubt. Is that close? We're not even trying anymore. It wasn't. I was reading from a suggestion of uh, someone wrote in. So. Uh, I will try it. Okay, that's what he wrote in. He wrote in Jimothy Eduardo Riviera Doubt. That comes from our friend Aiden. 
I will say, <laughs> of course it did. Of course, I will say, <laughs> James Emmanuel Doubt. Oh nope, but that's a close guess. I think I'm close with this early in the alphabet thing, so uh, I'll keep trying. Oh man. I don't know. Do you do? Are you? Is it like the person said last week? Are you one of those people with no middle names? Uh, no, I have a middle name. Okay. All right. All right. We'll we'll figure um, it out. I have, so my my name's my name. I almost said my middle name. My first name is James, and then my middle name is is a mystery. Uh-huh. And both of those names were the middle names of each of my grandfathers. Oh, okay. You're one of them. Okay. Yes. See, my son has uh, my first name as his middle name. His middle name is Thomas. Ah, uh, my son's middle name is James. Well, there you go. There you go. See? You're a good man, Jim. Jim, how is your son, by the way? He is amazing. Thank you for asking. Yes, you sent me uh... an absolute adorable picture of him. Um, <laughs> wearing a DLH uh, shirt that my wife and I got him. So that was yeah. cool. I told him no yeah. eye contact, though. He was staring right at me. I'm like, no eye contact, please. But... <laughs> He's, uh, we had a rough five five months of it. Um, <laughs> right. He was wake up on the hour, every hour, screaming and crying 24 yeah. hours a day, wouldn't be put down, just very, very, very difficult. And then one day he just stopped. And now he's like happy and smiling and laughing and he sleeps for 12 hours and he's like the perfect baby. I couldn't ask for anything better. That's awesome. Yeah. There for a while there, yeah. uh, some people, and when I say some people, I, I, I mean myself was thinking you should have named him Damien. Oh yeah. No, that was actually in the running. My wife loves that name. Oh really? <laughs> well, um, yeah, she really loves the name Damien and that, um, has she seen the omen? Word of a <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. But I think it was also the kid's name in um, uh, Rescue Me, and that's her favorite show. Ah, I never watched that. That's what the 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 one guy in the place with the, in the in the thing, right? Yeah, um, Dennis Leary. That guy. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That guy. Yep, yep. He looks like uh, Dennis Leary. Always looked kind of like a um, a weird like amphibious animal. He doesn't look like a human. He looks like a a less cracked out Willem Dafoe. Less cracked out. Yeah. Okay, I'll go with that. I'll go with less cracked out. I don't know. I he might be he might be more. Anyway, let's get on with our show, Jim. Do you want to do a show today? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we had we had a couple comments from last week, so we want to get into those. But we are doing a show on our top uh, five Steven Spielberg directed films, and uh, this was a suggestion from I believe. I believe this was from Mike, and I didn't write that down, and I apologize. But you know what? Um, we'll just say it is. It's, it's from Mike. Uh, so we're excited about talking about those. Um, and But we had some comments. Uh, another guest on your middle name here came from Chad. Um, he thinks you are named after the greatest Rams quarterback in history. Your name is Jim Chris Everett. Is that true? And we, it is not true. And the joke is not it's true. not <laughs> The joke is Chris Everett was a tennis player, not a football player. <laughs> anyway, uh, so there's that. Okay, and then uh, we had some suggestions for top fives we should do coming up. Uh, Ryan said you should do top five baseball movies for opening day week. That would be next week, Jim. Should that we... would be. You want to do two movie shows in a row? Well, I don't think – I don't see why not. I could do baseball I could, next week. I could do – okay, so next week for, op- for, for in honor of opening day, opening week – 
Next week, we're going to do five uh, our top five baseball movies. I'm excited about this because there's a couple I've wanted to talk about for a long time. So, good, good. Okay, so, Jim, you sent me a list of a, a picture of a list you're making for when I come and visit in Cleveland here in two weeks. Yes. And, and we posted it on our Facebook and our Twitter and asked if anyone else had more suggestions, which I knew that would kind of open the floodgates. But uh, we had some people write in. Um, okay, so Matt Bush... And Jeremy Kalina said they put in the same suggestion separately. They didn't know, but they both said we should recreate the opening of the Drew Carey show. <laughs> that would be a kind of a little logistics nightmare, though, don't you think? We could. Yeah. We could probably pull that off. The, the one problem would be shooting outside of Progressive Field because it's uh, the home opener while you're here. Right. Right. It would be very, very, very difficult to take that picture. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll we'll think about it, guys. We'll think about it. How's that? Um, Aiden, who also wrote in with you know your middle name, Eduardo Riviera, uh, he mm-hmm. said you and Jim, uh, Tom and Jim should do a photo shoot, um, hold hands and jump in front of, in the air together in front of your favorite craft brewery. <laughs> that could happen. That could happen. You can pull that off. Yeah. Um, uh, Matt Nelson said you should light the Cuyahoga River on fire, which is funny because I said I should. We should let's throw a match on the in the in the in the river, and you said that's actually encouraged. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then uh, Kevin just said, "Hey, it looks like a solid list. Have fun." Well, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. No suggestion. Just have fun. And then this guy, we talked about this already. This guy, he he obviously lives in Cleveland, right? He wrote in yeah, like yeah, every yeah. single place in Cleveland to go to. Um, and I'm not going <laughs> to read them all because we'll try to get to some of them. We'll just say that. And then, of course, a couple people wrote in Rock and Roll Museum, which we are planning to go to. And then Zach said, eat a melt. And he said, do, what? Like, a, does he mean like a tuna melt? What's he mean? Is there a special um, melt? He- he probably means a restaurant. There's a there's a place called Melt. That's, okay. Uh, oh, he says say, like grilled cheeses. It says eat at Melt. I'm sorry, I was reading that wrong. Eat, eat at, at Melt. Melt. Yeah. Okay. That would make sense. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, maybe we'll try it. Maybe we'll try it. Oh, good stuff, man. Um, what else? What? Anything else from last week you want to get into before we get into our topic this week? My conscience is clear. Actually, you know, uh, I was gonna say it's weird, like when I listen back to the show. <laughs> Yeah, and for a couple reasons. But when I listen back, and I hear myself myself say factually incorrect things, and just keep going, like I'll just say the wrong thing, mm-hmm. like, like little things, like um, when I, in our video games episode, and I said you could see Sub Zero rip the guy's head off. I'm like, Sub Zero didn't do that. Scorpion did that. Right. Like stupid things that I catch myself say that are factually incorrect. Right. But who's really at fault here? Because I just let it go. And I don't even, maybe I'm not even listening to you though, I guess. Let's... I know for a fact you are not listening to me. In fact, <laughs> you put it in the description of last, the last show, and you didn't think I read that crap, but I did. And I read it in my car today, a stoplight, and it was like, Jim's talking about something, and Tom's not listening. Yeah, I put it in there because I thought you'd never read those things. Uh huh. Look who reads. Look who reads. Hey, good for you. You're uh-huh. all. Okay, I'll, I'll start putting stuff in. If you're going to start reading them, I'll put in some other stuff. <laughs> Honestly, I put that in because it was late when I was putting the show up on Podbean, and I just could not think of anything to write, and I just put that on there. I guess I could have just wrote nothing, and it would have been fine. But <laughs> I listen. I listen to you sometimes. Yeah. 
Huh? Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Let's get into let's get into our top five, Jim. We uh, top five Spielberg movies. Are you ready for this? I am ready. Do you want to start, or do you want me to start? I can go. Okay. Let's do this. Uh, the first one on my list. It's a movie that uh, came out the year I was born. Mm-hmm. Uh oh. We were born in different years, weren't we, Tom? You were born in '81. I was born in '82. You were in eighty two, weren't yeah, you? Yeah. You're uh, you're just a you're just a couple months older than me, I think, right? You're a January baby. I am no, I am no, younger than you. No. Oh, so you were born in eighty two of December. Uh huh. Very end of <sighs> December. Almost an eighty three baby, but oh, I was eighty two. So I am older than you. Well look you at that. You are older than me. Yeah. Okay. By almost a year. Um So it came out the year we were born, and that is E. T. Extraterrestrial. This is a good one. This is a good one. I used to watch this growing up a lot, and I didn't really understand what was going on right. because I was like four. I didn't know who the government agents were. I really didn't understand what this alien was. Um, the movie, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on the movies because sure. chances are people know them, but it's E.T. Yeah. It's a story of Elliot, who's a little boy who grew up to be on the island and lost. The, <laughs> the lonely boy, their friends, an extraterrestrial named E.T., who is stranded on Earth, Elliot and his sibling. And his sibling is Drew Barrymore, if I remember correctly. Correct, yeah, very young. Uh, and she's only like very, very young. five or six maybe in that movie. Yeah, she's probably like maybe four. Right. Um, they're trying to get him back to his home planet while keeping him hidden from his mom and the government. The government. Kind of like uh, Stranger Things, when you think about it. Well, it's funny you mention that. They did... They... Stranger Things did uh, did uh, take a little bit from E.T. You know, they, they talked about taking E.T., Goonies, all those movies together to make yeah. their, kind of what they're doing. Cool. All right, what else you got? Uh, it was ba- The concept was based on Spielberg's imaginary friend after uh, his parents got divorced in 1960. Yes. Yes, he held on to yep. that divorce for a long time. Throughout a lot of his movies are about the divorce of his parents. Right. I, I thought about... Um, I, I thought about before we started to do like a um, a little like little talk about Steven Spielberg, but I figured we're just gonna talk a lot about through these movies anyway because he talks about he talks like you said a ton about his divorce of his parents from 1960. Like it's like in every movie he does. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wait, but go ahead. Um, most of the full body puppetry was performed by a two foot ten inch tall stuntman, but the scenes in the kitchen were done using a 12-year-old boy who was born without legs but was an expert on walking on his hands. Really? Yeah. Cool. And at one point during the filming, Drew Barrymore was consistently forgetting her lines and knowing Spielberg to the point where he actually yelled at the poor child. Uh, He later found out that she had reported to work with a very high fever. He felt guilty. He hugged her. He apologized. And she cried and cried and cried, and then he sent her home with a note from her director. What an asshole. <laughs> right. <laughs> and lastly, it spawned easily the worst video game ever made. Absolutely the worst. Didn't they bury all the copies in the desert? Yes. This was for Atari, I believe. Atari, yeah. I had it. I had it. Oh, game. you did. You had this game. Yeah. We had it, yeah. It's probably still in my basement somewhere. What, do you do you remember playing it? Like, what did you have oh, to yeah. do in the game? Oh yeah, I never played it. Yeah. You, oh man, there were like, there were like pits. Okay. 
I laughed because at one point there was a video game review on this, and me and my friends uh, Chris and Neil used to repeat this all the line all the time because the guy just said, "I just keep falling in and out of pits," and we say that all the time because it applies to so many things. But that's all you do: you run around as ET, you fall in a pit, and then you like apparently die, and the whole time you're trying to find like three different parts of a ship to escape. Okay. But there's no rhyme or reason to where you're going. Like you go from one screen to the next screen, but there's no pattern. And then a guy in a yellow suit, almost like as curious George, runs out of nowhere and grabs you, and then you're done again. And like it's the worst game. It's like impossible to play. Wow. Well, and that's probably why they took all the copies and buried him in the desert. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. Oh man, what else you got on this movie, Jim? That's it, man. That's yeah. ET in a nutshell. Yeah, I um, I, I love I I've I've seen ET. Um, have not watched it since I was a child. I did not put this on my list. Um, mainly because I can't get through this movie without crying. <laughs> I just, I, it's, and I know it's a great movie, and it's one of the best scenes ever of any movie is the bikes, with when the E.T.'s in the basket on the bike, and yeah. that is so cool and so iconic, and the music and everything. I just can't do it. I just, I don't, I, I don't even want to ever show this movie to my son. Like, I just, I know people are probably like, what? You got it. Like, no, I'm, I can't do it, man. I can't, that little bastard ET, man, it gets me every time. <laughs> so I'm like, I can't do it. But good pick. And I know this is one of, if you look on like many lists and stuff, ET is up there with, for a lot of people for best Spielberg movie. But yeah. so there you go. Well, good job, Jim. Good job. In 1975, he directed Jaws. In 1978, he directed Close Encounters of the Third Kind. In 1981, he directed Raiders of the Lost Ark. And now, Steven Spielberg brings us E.T., the Extraterrestrial. We will witness the arrival the search, the desertion, the fear, the discovery, the friendship. I'm keeping him. The secret, the love, the warning, the signal. The mystery, the danger, the intrusion, the wonderment, the enchantment, the hope, the connection has been made. Universal Pictures presents Steven Spielberg's E.T. The Extraterrestrial. What is your number five? My number five is kind of along the lines of E.T. It's kind of an alien movie. It's science fiction Came out I know 19- exactly where you're going. <laughs> came out in 1977, and it is Close Encounters of the Third Kind. 
Yeah, that's a good movie. It's I a great seen it in a long time. Yeah, I just watched it again last night. Um, I bought a couple years back. I bought like the special edition on Blu-ray, and it has like the original version, the special cut that came out like three years later in 1980, and then there was like a director's cut that came out I don't know when, but um, uh, which I don't think I've ever even watched those two cuts. I've only watched the original <laughs> one, but watched it again last night. It's a great movie. It's it's really cool. I mean. If you're into, like, I was talking to my wife last night about it. It's kind of like, it's like a two-hour-long version of Unsolved Mysteries, of just one story about, like, abduction. <laughs> That's what it is. And it's just, it's just cool. It's just, um, it finally kind of brought to light a little bit of um, these stories from, you know, the 40s and 50s. I know they made some, like, goofy science fiction movies back then, but they're, between there and the set late 70s there really wasn't any science fiction movies so this kind of kind of brought that back into the fold which was kind of cool but um real quick about the movie it stars richard dreyfus Mel- melinda dillon and most people might not remember her name but i bring her up because she is the mom in the christmas story jim and um terry gar bob balaban and uh francois truffaut who most people know him as a director if you know your movies but he actually acted in this movie and um, it tells the story of Roy Neary, played by Richard Dreyfus, an everyday blue-collar worker in Indiana. Uh, they're actually in Muncie, Indiana, which I found hilarious, just because the SNL <laughs> or the what are those guys? The what? What are those? The guys that I'm on a boat. Those people. The Lonely Island. Lonely Island. <laughs> yeah, those guys. Mun- don't they sing a song about Muncie, Indiana? I think I don't do. know. I don't remember. Anyway, uh, anyway, uh, Ron Neary's life changes after an encounter with an unidentified flying object, and and that's what this movie is. There's people who are, who are seeing these, um, uh, seeing these UFOs, and some they start being like kind of in their mind, kind of summoned to a certain area. Or Richard Dreyfuss keeps like trying to like he makes it out of his mashed the big scenes are like out of these mashed potatoes he's eating with his family and he's like starts carving in his mashed potatoes like a mountain and he's like it's he's freak he can't figure out what he's trying to car- carve and later he feel, realizes it's devil's tower in wyoming and so he feels like he's summoned there and that's where he has to go and, and all these people go to see if that's where the aliens are kind of thing on these spaceships um it's just cool it's just a really cool um movie it was uh some of the coolest like ufo looking spaceships ever like this is this is before star wars you gotta remember like this is right before all that stuff so um yeah it's just it's just really fun uh one thing i noticed re-watching it last night not a lot of dialogue it's just vis- you're just watching this visual thing on screen it's really cool to see this like how these people would act because you know like when you see an alien you don't you don't talk and have a conversation with somebody when you see a ufo you probably just sit there and you know watching and so like as an audience maybe you kind of feel like you're sitting there with him watching it so it's just it's just really cool um a couple things about it uh it uh is up for a bunch of awards but uh didn't win much award but one of the film uh the film score is done by none other than john williams we might talk about him a lot tonight. <laughs> um, and uh, it's just really cool. And the big thing that from this movie is that five-tone notes uh, notes that they play to talk to the aliens. And um, they play it over and over again. You hear it throughout the movie. Um, little kid is humming it. Um, they go to India, and there's these people, like, they're, like, they're, they're praying, but you hear them 
that note and it's just it's just really cool it's just an it's just a really cool movie um it's hard to talk about because it's so vis- it's such a great visual movie <laughs> and there's not really much else to talk about but you have seen this movie jim i have not seen this movie. oh you haven't seen this oh okay no. okay and not a lot no. of people have it's not it's no big deal if you haven't um no, i take that back i've seen it like once but it's been a very yeah. very long time used, i have seen it it used to be on tv a lot i remember the first time i ever saw it was like on tv like like maybe in the late 80s or early 90s even like i didn't see it when i was a little kid i saw it when i was a little older um it's actually was in 27 in 2007 it was deemed culturally historically and um culturally and historically significant by the u.s library of congress and was added to the national film registry for preservation so i thought that was kind of cool um yeah it's just a really cool movie um the i don't want to ruin it for anyone who hasn't seen it but like the whole end scene with all the other ships and stuff is so cool. I mean, you just got to see it. It's just really, it's just really fun. And Richard Dreyfuss plays a great, he, a great guy who just like, he's just, he's a good, he's a dad and a husband and a regular, you know, blue collar worker. But he's just like, he's so frustrated because he can't get this stuff out of his mind. And he just feels like he's, he has to figure this out. But then he starts ignoring his everyday activities and his responsibilities. And it's, it's just really cool. It's just a cool movie. So, yeah, I like it. I like that one. So, just like Unsolved Mysteries, Jim. That's if you like Unsolved <laughs> Mysteries, you'd like this movie. That's <laughs> so uh, that that made me think of something with uh, you said Richard Dreyfuss. Yes. And um, there's a lot of overlap between Coppola, Lucas, and Spielberg. Yes. So, so Lucas kind of studied under Coppola, and. Um, Lucas and Spielberg were like kind of like friendly rivals. Yeah, they were. And, I think uh, it, they were at USC together, and then they became friends. But they're kind of rivals all throughout their whole film career, kind of thing. Yeah, Spielberg yeah. was jealous of of uh, Lucas, like when he did THX early on, mm-hmm. and then uh, Spielberg was screening one of his movies at Coppola's house, and Lucas came and watched it, and um, then they kind of like formed a friendship anyway speaking of close encounters at the time um because they both came out close encounters and star wars both came out in 77 yeah close and encounters was first i think but or was I it no so. no I, wait actually i'm sorry it came out in november of 77 so that would have been right after star wars so anyway, and uh, same year lucas thought star wars was going to be a flop <laughs> and he offered uh spielberg a percentage of the profits if he took a percentage of close encounters so they made that deal, and Spielberg's still cashing in on that. Good. You know, I mean, you know, Jim, you and I are really good friends. <laughs> but that would be a hard – I'd be pissed off forever if this if I had to keep paying you money. You know? Uh, I read that recent, that same bit of info that you just talked about. That's uh, Yeah, that would be a hard – it would be hard to keep – keep you as a friend after that (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah anyway i love this it's a fun movie it's good i mean if you go back and watch it you think of it 1977 it still holds up as far as the the special effects and the acting and the just it's it's just so visually pleasing um it's such a such a great movie so that's my number five jim good job thanks ladies and gentlemen This is a flying saucer.
right. What's uh, number four, Jim? Number four. I would I would be surprised if this was not on your list. Okay. Because it's one of Spielberg's most famous movies. Okay. And that's Saving Private Ryan. It's not on my list. Wow. I, I chose I, ch- I chose to put Close Encounters on, and I bumped Saving Private Ryan off. And my reason is, and I want you to talk all about this movie because it's a great movie, but my reason was I can't just watch it over and over. I can watch parts of it over and over again. The acting and everything's great, but I just... I, I just had to keep it off because it's not one I can just watch over. It's kind of depressing. <laughs> I mean, I probably haven't watched it. I might have watched it twice in my life. Yeah. It, it Okay, con- continue on. I, I left it off my list. And I have my reasons, but I'm glad you put it on. So, okay, so it, it was in 1998, which surprised me because I don't remember it being that old. Yeah. Uh, 20 years old. Wow. That movie. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's about World War II, mm-hmm. and a family has lost three of their sons. And a group of soldiers go to get the fourth one. So the family doesn't lose all their sons to the war. It's known for the first 27 minutes, which is uh, the depiction of Omaha Beach um, landing on Normandy, D-Day. It's intense. It's um, very realistic, very graphic. Um... It's one of the best scenes probably in cinema history. And uh, in this movie, Matt Damon plays Private Ryan. Now Spielberg cast Damon as Ryan because he wanted an unknown actor with an all-American look. Yeah. He didn't know that Damon was going to win an Oscar for Good Will Hunting right. in 1997 right. and become a huge sensation. Right. The one with Affleck. Um. The, the main actors, except for Damon, all underwent grueling days of army training. And Damon didn't do it so that all the other actors would resent him and their their feelings would be conveyed on screen. That's amazing. Yeah. That's cool. Um, the Omaha Beach scene cost $11 million to shoot and involved up to a 1,000 extras, some of whom were members of the Irish Army Reserve, and of those actors, 20 or twenty to 30 were actually amputees issued with prosthetic limbs to simulate soldiers having their limbs blown off. Wow. Well, th- there's that one, one part of that scene in particular was that the guy, his arm is blown off, and he's they show him he's, like, looking for it. He's in such shock. Yeah. He's looking for his own ha- arm and grabs it. Oh, such yeah. an amazing scene. It, it's incredible. It's, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Tom Sizemore was battling drug addiction during the production and Spielberg gave him an ultimatum that he would be blood tested on set every day of filming. And if he failed the test once, he'd be fired and his part would be recasted and reshot by someone else even if it was at the end of production. Wow. Yeah. That's Hollywood uh, pull right there. <laughs> yeah. This I thought this was very interesting. It's the last film edited on a non-digital editing system to win an Academy Award for editing. Oh, that's in, that's interesting. Because now yeah. it's, it's like you think of, yeah, so they actually just cut, were cutting and pasting film, <laughs> like the yep. old way. That's awesome. Yep. And so speaking of the Academy Awards, this won for Best Director, it won for Best Cinematography, Best Sound Mixing, Film Editing, Sound Effects Editing, 
and was also nominated for score, makeup, art direction, original screenplay, actor in a leading role for Tom Hanks, and nominated for Best Picture. That's, uh, let me find who won Best Picture. I was going to say it didn't win, though. Not Best Picture. Uh, No, um, Shakespeare in Love. Oh, for Christ's sake. (laughs) This should have (laughs) won. Should have definitely won over Shakespeare in Love. It's a very. If we're still talking about this movie and we forgot about Shakespeare in Love, right? It's it's a very important film, like. It very. No, I I, I love this film. I left it on my list just because I had to pick five. Okay, but like, <laughs> this is an important. Everyone should see this movie. Everyone should see this movie to understand that yeah. it's got to be the closest to what it was really like. Uh, especially in the, like you said in that first scene, but it's a World War Two picture. Um, it's just yeah. amazing. Yeah, and it's kind of the precursor to Band of Brothers in the Pacific. You know, Tom Hanks and Spielberg together making World War II. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. What else you got on it? That's it, man. Oh, that's a, that's a good pick. I, I knew I might catch a little hell not putting it on there, but it's a great movie. It is, um, yeah, I, I've only watched the whole thing once. It's not easy to watch. It's very, it's sad. It's, it's eye-opening, you know, but it's a... Yeah, it's a very important movie. Definitely one well, that everyone should watch. There's, I mean, there's another one of Spielberg's movies that I've never seen, and it's also a very historically important movie, mm-hmm. but it's too depressing and sad, and I don't think I'll ever see it, and that's Schindler's List. Yeah, we can talk about that, because I didn't put that on my list either. Um, I had to watch it, I think, in high school. I I think they uh, history class or something had us watch it. Um, it's so important, and everyone should see it. If if you have it, and I understand if you don't, because it's, it, but at least you should understand what that movie is trying to portray. It is so hard to watch, um, but it's, uh, oh man, that's a hard one. I'm, that's why I didn't leave it out because that's not one I'm gonna go back and like watch it. I'm like, oh, let's, let's pop Schindler's List in. It's like, oh yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm just gonna go cry in the closet for a while. I mean, it's just it's really hard to watch, but it's uh, so important. So I know a lot of people probably put that one on their list too, and it is such a great movie. But it's not like my favorite of his to watch because I can't. I just can't. He actually, yeah. um, I'm a big Seinfeld fan. They, he was making Schindler's List, and he was so depressed himself, Steven Spielberg, that he would he re- asked Jerry Seinfeld to send him. This is before the digital age. Asked him to send him copies of Seinfeld shows over in in, in Europe where they were filming, so he could watch them at night to make himself feel better. He depressed mm-hmm. himself making this movie. So, um, but yeah. And, and- to add on to that, his workload and his stress level while he was doing that, he was in Poland doing Schindler's List. Yeah. And while he was doing that, he was video conferencing all of the editing for Jurassic Park. Right. So oversaw all the post-production over yeah. in Poland right. and still doing Schindler's List depressed because of the content of that movie. Jesus. <laughs> man, this poor man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's crazy. Well, good. What else you got on Saving Private Ryan? Anything? That's it, man. That's all. All right, all right. Dear Mr. Brian Boyd, no doubt by now you have received full information about the untimely death of your son. However, there are some personal details. That Believe I very strongly. No words of mine can ever. He was a fine soldier. And regarding the circumstances leading to his death, felt his loss tremendously. Robert's commanding officer's heroic service to his country. He was a great soldier, dedicated friend. The grace of God and the aid of your Those son. Of us I'm alive. Please accept my most sincere condolences. He will live in our memories. To you, my deepest sympathy. 
Colonel, I've got something you should know about. Yes? These two men died in Normandy. This one in Omaha Beach. Sean Ryan. This one in Utah. Peter Ryan. This man was killed last week in New Guinea. Daniel Ryan. The three men are brothers, sir. I've just learned that this afternoon their mother is getting all three telegrams. That's not all. There's a fourth brother, the youngest. He's somewhere in Normandy. We don't know where. That boy's alive. We're gonna send somebody to find him. And we're gonna get him the hell out of there. Some private in the 101st lost three of his brothers and he's got a ticket home. It's not gonna be easy finding one particular soldier in the whole damn war. My number four, I'm going to pick it up a little bit, <laughs> you know, pick it up after our Schindler's List talk a little bit we had in their little sidebar. Um, I'm going with, you just mentioned it, 1993, action-adventure movie, Jurassic Park. Ah, uh, sir. Yes. This is my favorite Spielberg movie. This is your number one? Yeah. I don't think this has ever happened. Where I've, I've said your number one first. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry. Don't okay. apologize to me. Okay. Well, I'll mention a couple things, and then you you go you go ahead. Uh, if if it wasn't for the other three, this would be my number one. So there's that. <laughs> but, I I freaking love Jurassic Park. It's a great, great movie. When I saw this for the first time, I was maybe eleven, I would say, and it scared the hell out of me. It was so real. Like I know it's dy- it was on. It was like this was a scary. It's a thrilling thriller movie. Like it's scary as hell. These dinosaurs chasing people. Um, but it's such a it's such a fantastic movie. It came out in '93. Like I said, um, it was the first installment of the of the Jurassic Park franchise, based on the 1990 novel um, of the same name by Michael Crichton. Uh, did you ever mm-hmm. Did you ever read the bo- the book, Jim? I did. It's probably the first like real novel i ever read okay i've never read the book over like 90 pages okay it's it's uh and it's the movie uh from what i've read because i haven't read the actual book um it's a little bit different than the book especially as far as characters and some of the graphic details am am i get am i right about that well from what i remember yeah and i also remember uh the lost world movie the second one yeah was like parts of the book that didn't parts of the lost world book and parts of Jurassic park the book that they didn't put in the movie like there's a whole scene from that i remember i think they were they're going like on a raft down a river or something like that they yeah didn't make the movie but they put it in the second movie and it didn't work yeah uh, the something se- like that it's been a long time is the second movie going to be on your spielberg list no okay no, good because that, that one is not a very good movie uh, no, it wasn't. If I had to argue, I, I would. Awesome. The third one, I didn't mind so much, but it, 
it came after the second one. The second one was a piece of crap. But anyway, the first one, the only one, really, because I don't even really, I didn't really care for Jurassic World. I like it was fine for what it was, but Jurassic Park, the the, the first movie, absolutely amazing. Um, you know, a little you know, most people know, but it's set in the fictional island of Isla Nublar. I think is that how you say it? Uh, located in Central America's Pacific Coast, kind of like near Costa Rica. So there's a billionaire philanthropist. Oh, there's that word, Jim. Philanthropist. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he invites a small team of, uh, a sm- or he has a small team of uh, genetic scientists who have created a wildlife park of cloned dinosaurs. And he invites a group of six visitors to come uh, and visit before the park opens to give his endorsement, to give their endorsement on it. And uh, so they preview the park. But then the power, as a hurricane comes through, power breakdown happens, and hilarity ensues. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> a craziness happens with dinosaurs escaping and chasing people and eating them. Um, a couple little background before Crichton's novel was even published, forced just. People hearing about what he was going to write. Um, four studios put in their bids for the film rights. Um, Universal Studios and Spielberg won the, the bid uh, for $1.5 million. Um, and they gave him that before it was even published in 1990. And then Crichton was, re- was hired for an additional $500,000 to adapt the novel for the screen. So I thought that was kind of cool. So he made a nice $2 million right off the bat there. Um, <laughs> the dinosaurs themselves were created with groundbreak at the time groundbreaking computer generated imagery by uh, industrial light and magic and there was real life-size animatronic dinosaurs built by Stan Winston uh, whose uh, that name should ring a bell with people who know their movies and their puppetry and all and their models and stuff um, and so they kind of blended those two together um, and to sh- uh, let's see here the uh, are you familiar with DTS, Jim? The audio stuff, the digital sound format stuff. Yeah. That was yeah. uh, this was uh, the first movie that it was in. Um, I didn't yeah, so it's pretty cool. Um, I'm trying to, you know, there's so much more on here. One, I'll, I'll let you go on here because this is your number one. But my favorite part of this movie, and if we're basing it just off music, this would be my number one. Like the film score of this movie is so great. Absolutely love it. Again, John Williams <laughs> gonna be gonna get brought up all the time. Um, he made the score of the film. It's absolutely fantastic. It's just one of those. He even said himself like he wanted to give it. Uh, he wanted to give the music. Um, it, uh, when you hear it, it's a sense of awe and fascination, kind of like when they first see the dinosaurs. And the music mm-hmm. does that every time I hear it, even out of context. I think of it and it's like that is so cool. It's such a cool fanfare type music absolutely love it um and uh, what else you got on here oh man um let's see the uh the dna cartoon like you said a lot of things didn't didn't uh fit from the book so the dna cartoon Mm -hmm. was just a way of condensing um a much larger scene in the book down to just a few sentences (laughs) so they could move on um let's see michael Crichton. you talked about him writing the book quite a bit and yeah and, um, he was asked why the novel was Jurassic Park in the title, but the cover has a dinosaur from the um, Cretaceous, Cretaceous period on the cover. Yeah. And he replied that it never occurred to him, and he just liked the design better. Right. Because it's... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I agree with him. Who cares? It's awesome. Yeah. Who, yeah. <laughs> um, I love things about production, so 
the uh, the roars from the T-Rex were a combination of a dog, penguin, tiger, alligator, and elephant sounds. Yeah. And the foot, the footsteps were created by a uh, sequoia tree pushing to the ground. That's awesome. So hopefully they had that sound just on file and they weren't cutting down sequoias. But... Well, we don't talk about but... it. <laughs> <laughs> the glasses of water with the ripples through it from yeah. the footsteps of the T-Rex, you know, it was made with a guitar string attached to the underside of the dash. Nice. That's so um, cool. Harrison that's... Ford. Yes. Hmm? I was going to say, and that's such a cool visual in the movie. Yeah. When they're just oh, sitting yeah. there quiet I mean, like... in the car, and then, then like you start hearing this boom, boom, and then you look at the glass, and, and it just ripples. Like, oh, my God, that's so awesome. <laughs> and, like, the terror on the girl's face. Yeah, she's fantastic in this movie, oh, by the way. Oh, she's great. Yeah. She's great. Um, this is another carryover between all of the uh, characters from the three directors. Like I said earlier, mm-hmm. you were you were talking about um, uh, who did you mention? Who was in? Uh, was it Hoffman? Richard, Richard, Hoffman? Richard, Richard Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus, who was in American Graffiti, right. which was Lucas's film and Ford Coppola's film, and carried over Spielberg. Well, this Harrison Ford, who's most known for Lucas films was offered and turned down the role of Dr. Alan Grant because he didn't feel like he was right for it. And after he saw the movie, he said he made the right decision. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and Michael Crichton intended John Hammond, the the director of the whole place, to be a dark Walt Disney, which I could see. I don't know if they acted that, but I could see the character being. Oh, definitely, yeah. I think Um, in the book he's a little little more, he's not a nice grandpa as much in the book, right? Okay, all right. Yeah. And the last thing I have is that Spielberg wanted the Velociraptors to be about 10 feet tall, which was taller than they were actually known to be. But ironically, during the filming, paleontologists uncovered a 10-foot-tall Velociraptor yeah. and called it the Utah Raptor. It was like a new species of raptor. How about that for luck? Yeah, right? Yeah. A <laughs> um, couple more things. I mean, you have the stuff about the sounds of all the animals they put together. And it's if you go back and listen to, like, the raptor squeal and stuff, you can you can hear, like, the different animals that they used making their sounds. It's pretty cool. Um, this one was uh, – they this aired on broadcast television for the first time May seventh, 1995. And I actually watched this. I watched it with my parents and my grandparents. And uh, – and um, it, it aired to 68.12 million people on NBC, which was a 36% share of the available viewers that night, which is absolutely wow. ridiculous. Um, it was the highest-rated theatrical film uh, broadcast on television by any network, uh, um, at least at the time. And um, uh, I remember watching I remember watching and getting scared, like, all over again. Like, it was like, it was even it was on TV, and it was like, this is scary, but one thing I remember watching is they aired, it's either right before or right after it, like the making of Jurassic Park, and that's when they talked to you about, told people like how, like you mentioned the, how they made the ripples in the water and the different animal sounds they used, and it was like, that is, it was so cool seeing like how they actually made this movie. A um, couple other things, Jim Carrey auditioned for Ian Malcolm, which went to uh, um, Jeff Goldblum, which I th- probably made the right choice there. <laughs> and uh, um, There's only 15 minutes of actual dinosaur footage in this film nine minutes nine minutes of those 15 are animatronic and only six minutes are the ilm's cgi footage which i thought was pretty cool um the big t-rex for the most part at least from that the big scene where you really see them and uh 
is uh, that's all an animatronic T-Rex, and which would uh, not work well with the fake rain that they were pumping in. <laughs> it uh, it would start going off by itself, like when they weren't filming. It would just move, like because the mechanics would move and scare the hell out of everybody, because um, it was the, that real looking, even though they knew it was a robot. <laughs> it's kind of funny, um, and the popularity of it created uh, national the NBA to create uh, their expansion team in Toronto called it the Raptors. I thought that was kind of yep. oh, yeah. that's kind of cool. And Jim, I got a joke for you. What do you call a blind dinosaur? Oh, I don't know. Do you think he saw us? Oh, I thought you said blonde. Oh, blind, blind, blind. Okay. What do you call his dog? Okay, that's what I was gonna say. Do you call? What do you call? What do you call a blind dinosaur's dog? Okay. Do you think he saw us, Rex? Right. right. Oh, my God. I'm sorry, people. I'm an idiot. Uh, I love this movie, Jim. I can see why this is your number one, because it's, it's one of my favorites. And, uh, oh, so good. Anything else on it? No, that's it. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Still scares the hell of me. I just watched it the other day. I was like, God, I can see why. This is so suspenseful. There it is. Welcome to Jurassic Park. We've made living biological attractions so astounding that they'll capture the imagination of the entire planet. The most phenomenal discovery of our time. How'd you do this? Becomes the greatest adventure of all time. Can I touch it? Sure. Universal Pictures presents. You feel that? Hold on to your butts. A Steven Spielberg film. Fences are failing all over the park. Yeah, that's nice. Gotta go. An adventure. Look out! No! I can't get Jurassic Park back online. 65 million years in the making. Jurassic Park. All right, man. What's your uh, number three? Oh, it is my turn, isn't it? It is your turn. Well, I had to throw in um, Indiana Jones. Okay. It was just a matter of which one. Okay. So I had to go original, and I went Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, Jim. Sir. This is my number one. Is it really? (laughs) It is. (laughs) So there you go. Okay. So uh, 1981, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Story by George Lucas, set in 1936. Yes. Um, first installment of the franchise, though it is the second in chronological order of the franchise. Can I stop you right there for a second? Please do. Because, yes, the Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom is considered a prequel. Um, may, at least it is now. And I remember when we did our sequels episode, and I mentioned another one of the... <laughs> Indiana Jones movies, and you're like, well, that's not, you know, not, we we're kind of like joking, like, well, is that really the second one? But technically, I guess Temple of Doom is a prequel, so. That's true. So there you go. Anyway, continue. Um, were you just backtracking in time just to tell me you were right from like six months ago? <clears throat> I, I'm sorry. Uh, I, what? You're cutting out. You can't, I can't hear you. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> this puts yes. Indiana Jones. <laughs> 
against a group of Nazis who are searching for the Ark of the Covenant, which Adolf Hitler believes will make his army invincible. That's my entire synopsis. That is the synopsis. And don't you think Hitler probably could have thought that? He seemed like someone who probably did think this. Probably. Okay. Uh, became the year's top-grossing film and remains one of the highest-grossing films ever made. Nominated for eight Academy Awards, which really surprised me, yeah. including Best Picture, which really surprised me, and won four uh, for Best Art Direction, Film Editing, Sound, and Visual Effects with a fifth Academy Award, a special achievement for Sound Effects Editing. I didn't realize it was nominated for Best Picture. I didn't really ever hold it to that high of regard, to be totally honest with you. Yeah. It's a it was great kind movie. of more of like a novelty movie to me than it was like Best Picture nominee. Right. It's a, it's fun. It's a fun movie. Um, let's see. I'll do a little little fun facts. Uh, one of my favorite ones. This is one of my favorite scenes of the entire movie is when um, Indiana Jones shoots the swordsman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like the, it's the best scene in, in the whole thing to me. And the swordsman comes out and he's flipping the sword around and Harrison Ford pulls out his gun and kills him. Yeah. But it's because um, he had food poisoning with the rest of the crew yes. and he was too sick to perform the stunt and Spielberg um, took him up on the idea and it was filmed with him. Instead of taking out his whip, he just shot the guy. <laughs> it's great. That's one of the best scenes. It's awesome. Um, more overlap between the directors. There's uh, a golden pillar with a tiny engraving of R2-D2 and C-3PO. Yeah. And um, there's also one on the wall behind Indy when they first approached the Ark. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was also a carryover from E.T. Um, when E.T. sees Yoda, he, he like recognizes them. And then there's a scene in um, like episode one, I think, where the whole council's there. And E.T. is one of the people in one of the pods. Yes, yes. If you go back and you can see that. There's a, there's a couple yeah. E.T. aliens there. Yep. Yep. Um, so Spielberg, along with uh, Melissa Matheson, wrote the script for this during shooting breaks on location. Um, oh, hang on, my notes here are screwed up. That's okay. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. So they were writing a script while they were filming this. Mm-hmm. Spielberg and Matheson were writing a script for another movie during filming breaks, and that became E.T. Oh. And Melissa Matheson was um, the wife of Harrison Ford. Oh, all right then. So there's that. There's that. There's that. Um, let's see. We already talked about uh, let's see. We talked about the the deal between Lucas yeah. and Spielberg. That that all kind of happened when they were in Hawaii. So Lucas went to Hawaii with Spielberg, mm-hmm. um, and it was. He always, Lucas always took a trip after one of his movies was made, and this was Star Wars A New Hope. So they went there, and he needed to relax, and uh, this is when he thought it was going to be a flop. And during this time, Spielberg also confessed that he wanted, he always wanted to make a Bond movie. So that's when Lucas pitched him an adventure movie called Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, with, and it, with Indiana Smith. That was the original, his original name. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's weird because Jones is just as common of a name, but it just sounds better. It just sounded better, yeah. Yeah. So after the trip, they got together and they they made the script. That's awesome. And then, uh, yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, I mean, you you kind of you nailed all the points there. Um, it is considered by many one of the one of the greatest films ever made. And I think when I say greatest, like as far as like it's not like for this you know Shakespearean acting or anything. It's it's just such a great adventure 
movie. That it's mm-hmm. like the ultimate adventure movie. Like anything that has come along after it, uh, the National Treasure movies, uh, anything adventure movies, right? It's just like you, you, you always compare it to this movie, I think. And um, again, John Williams made one of the best uh, theme songs ever. For, for you know, from Raiders of the Lost Ark, the Indiana Jones uh, theme, the Raiders March, as it's known. Um, he was. This is. Uh, he only. Um, <clears throat> he only. Uh, he scored this with the London Symphony Orchestra, and uh, the only other movie he did that with was Star Wars. So oh. I that was kind of cool. Um, and see, so here you kind of nailed everything here. It's just one. It's just I'm such sorry. a fun. No, it's awesome though. It's, it's such an awesome movie. Like. Um, just the opening sequence of this movie, you know, and he's he's sitting there, you know, he's him and the, this guy he's with his his guide, and I think they're in South America somewhere, I can't remember where, and uh, you know, and they go to steal that golden idol to take it, and yeah. he takes it, and suddenly the booby traps all start, and then the big bowl, the big ball, the big rock thing comes flying. I'm like, that is so cool. It's just such a cool thing to oh, see. Man, I love that. Um. The Alfred Molina, who plays that guy, his guide, um, in that in that scene. Uh, some people might remember him, uh, bad guy from the second Spider-Man movie. He's been in a lot of things, but um, this was his first. This was his on-screen debut, and his first scene involved the part where he was covered uh, with tarantulas. I don't know if you remember that from the very beginning oh, of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, it says here, unfortunately, the spiders, which were supposed to swarm in a creepy fashion on him, didn't move, and the reason was because they were all male. So they decide, we'll put a female spider on him, and that's when the male spiders started going nuts. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's God. just mean. That's just, that's that's just cruel. Yeah, that's a that nightmare. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, you mentioned the um, Harrison Ford, Ford had food poisoning. In fact, everyone had food poisoning when they were filming in Tunisia, um, and um, except for Spielberg, because Spielberg was the only one um, who didn't uh, eat the local cuisine, and he only ate canned SpaghettiOs that he brought himself. So he's the only one that did get food poisoning. Um, so, yeah, uh, Tom Selleck was actually going to be Indiana Jones. In fact, they casted him and everything. And um, and it just, I think it didn't wasn't working that great, but it was also he was in Magnum P.I., the TV show at the time. And I think he couldn't get out of his commitment. So they didn't even get into product. They, they kind of had screen tests and stuff with him, and they, he was set to do it, but then they could not get out of his Magnum P.I. Uh, <laughs> obligations. And so they asked Harrison Ford to do it, and Harrison Ford was kind of reluctant, um, and even Steel, Spielberg was kind of reluctant. It's like, well, you, you know, George Lucas is already using for for Han Solo in the Star Wars movies. Do I want to? Because they already they planned originally to do a trilogy of of Indiana Jones, and and um, I mean, luckily he decided to do it anyway, and it worked out. And and Harrison Ford now is part of the two of the greatest trilogies ever. You know, it's two different two different characters, um, so that's pretty cool. But yeah, it's such a fun movie. I I love this movie. Um, I don't know. It's just uh, that's why it's my number one, Jim. It's just it's just fantastic.
Indiana Jones, pursued by Belloc. Befriended by Solomon. Threatened by Toad. And loved by Mary. Some of them are heroes. Some of them are enemies. They are all... Look out! Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's the greatest adventure film of all time. I'm gonna blow up the ark, Renee. And it will always be fun. Trust me. Raiders of the Lost Ark. All right, my number three is a movie. They're all movies, by the way. I don't know if you guys knew that. This is a movie. Yeah, this was uh, it came out in 1975, and it's a thriller based on a 1974 novel of the same name, and it's Jaws. Ah, uh, yes. <sighs> Love this movie, dude. It still holds up. It's so good. It's so good. Um, it's scary as hell. When I saw this as a little kid, I did not want to go swimming anywhere near that uh, open body of water for a long time because <laughs> I thought a man-eating shark would get me. Uh, but that's the story. It's a giant man-eating great white shark attacks a, attacks a bunch of beachgoers on the fictional island of Amity Island, um, which is kind of set in New England. Most of this was filmed in Martha's Vineyard, so that's kind of where they modeled all the buildings after. And uh, it is a little resort town, and it has the local police chief is on the hunt to help... Uh, uh, to, to get the shark and he gets help from this marine biologist played by Richard Dreyfus, and a professional shark hunter um, played by uh, what was his name oh shoot Robert Shaw and uh, yeah and that's what it is they just they're hunting the shark who is now hunting them and it's scary as hell and the whole time of course the mayor of the town doesn't want to close the beach because that's money and stuff it's summertime and um they, they of course regret that, and that's the that's basically the whole movie. They just they're out to get this shark, and it's scary as hell. And one of the best parts of this whole movie, Jim, is that you never see the shark until like the very end. All you see or all you hear is that two-note uh, tuba playing. The dun 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 dun. And it's so ominous and so creepy. And all he has is the camera underwater, so you're like, you feel like you're looking through the shark's eyes. It's awesome. It still holds up. It's so cool. It's you know, it's it's dated because of what they're wearing because it's in the '70s. But it's it's such a cool, fun movie, and it literally scared people out of the water for a while, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Um, it is. Uh, it's one of four movies. Uh, the other three are absolutely horrible. And they're Spielberg. They do not have Spielberg on them at all. So they're not very. You know, he was like didn't touch those with a ten foot pole. He's like, no, I'm good. I'm good. Um, this movie was actually by Spielberg and a bunch of people were was nicknamed Flaws instead of Jaws because they had so many problems on this movie. The production original production uh, schedule was like sixty day production schedule. It ballooned to one hundred and fifty nine days because um, of all the. The bad weather, the bad the shark that they had, which it was named Bruce. They nicknamed the shark, the animatronic shark that they had, Bruce, Bruce, because that was Spielberg's lawyer's name. <laughs> so, <laughs> and um, 
it had tons of problems, which the reason, which is one of the reasons you never see it. And they just, and John Williams just came up with that, that E and F, E and F note, um, because they're like, the shark's not working. We can't do this. And he's like, we'll just do this. And he just, <laughs> and he just played the, the notes, the two notes. And he's like, that's perfect. And, um, uh, Spielberg thought this would end his career. This was one of his first big, uh, the first big, big movie. He had Sugarland Express before this, and a couple TV TV movies before that. And this was it. And he thought, "This is it. I'm ruined. The studio hates me. He almost got fired from the project many times." Um, but it turned out to be one of his best movies ever made, and it's got one of the best. You you know the sound you you hear it right away. You know it. Um, any shark movie that has come out after this is compared to Jaws. And it's uh, it's great. At the time, it was the highest grossing film of all time until two years later when Star Wars came out. <laughs> um, it, sev- it won several awards for the music and the editing, which makes the movie. They edited it so well that you never have to see the shark until the very end, and the music's perfect. Um, it's great. And like I said, it's followed by a, bunch of se- a couple sequels that sucked. And uh, this one is also selected by the Library of Con- Congress for preservation in the National Film Registry, which is kind of cool that he's got a couple movies in there for that. And, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything other craziness that happens. Um, oh, there, here you go. The shark doesn't fully appear in a shot until one hour and 21 minutes into the two-hour film. <laughs> so, yeah, you never have to see it. Um, the opening shot, and I, I'm sorry if I'm ruining it for uh, Jim. I, you did tell me you don't, you you haven't seen Jaws, right? I've never seen. Right, Jaws. and that's okay. My wife's never seen it. She won't see it either because she's like, no, no, I like the beach, so I'm not going to watch this movie. I mean, I, I should see it for like just the cinema yeah. history that it is, but yeah, I've tried to watch it a couple times. I get about ten minutes in, and then I get bored and I turn it off, and I just don't. I've never been like fascinated by sharks. It's never been right. I, I'm not fascinated by any. Uh, water-based movies like Open Water and right. all the ones that involve getting stranded or shark attacks. It just doesn't doesn't interest me. But I need to watch it just for the history of this movie. Yeah, the, the, if you ever like see a making of of Jaws, it's amazing how like how like this should not have been a good movie. This should have been horrible. This should have ruined the career of Steven Spielberg. We should have never be talking. We should never be doing a show about him because it should have been over after this. He had, had so many problems with everything, and it turned out to be one of his best movies. And it's just, it's. I like stories like that. That like it can't, like it should be horrible, but it was the best thing ever. It's like when we talk about the, uh, we do our stuff on on certain bands and stuff. It's like they were gonna leave this song off the album, and it was like their number one hit of all time. Yeah. You know, like, um. The opening shot of this movie, and I'm not giving any too much away of the opening shot, but the opening sequence took three days to shoot, and it's it's just a, a girl and her boyfriend swimming in the lake, and it's it's very it's dusk, it's like almost dark, like pitch black, like not pitch black, but almost dusk. Sun just went down, and they're playing, you know, hanging on the water and and doing whatever, and he. Uh, I think they're. I think it's implied that they're drunk or whatever. And the guy passes out on the beach, and the girl's still swimming and having fun. And um, suddenly, you just see her like, like kind of jolt down for a second, and like she kind of like, what, what was that? And then she like jolts down again, and suddenly she's just getting dragged all over, screaming and. I mean, it's scary as hell. It's like something's grabbed her, and and it, and all you don't see the shark, of course. You just see her going around, going around, and suddenly she gets pulled under, and then you just see red water. <laughs> come up and it's like oh my god and that's how the movie starts 
And um, to achieve that jolting motion, the this, the actress um, they actually had uh, crew members um, uh, uh, down there with her or down underneath with her, and Spielberg told them to not let her know when they're gonna pull on her like legs on the harness to snap her legs down. <laughs> and so her terrified reaction in that scene is genuine because she was like <laughs> legitimately scared. She thought she was getting murdered. And um, it's such an iconic scene. Um, I love, I just absolutely love this movie. It's so much, it's, it's just a great movie. And uh, it's, it was one of the first ever summer blockbusters. This, a lot of people relate this as the first summer blockbuster. Cause that was when they put this, you know, put coming out in July, and then they put this huge advertising campaign behind it, which is now so common with a bunch of movies from May to August. But now, like this was like the first one they did it, where it's like every theater in America is getting this movie, and they put all this advertising campaign behind it. So, yeah, it's good stuff. I got. I think you should watch it. But has your wife seen it? I know you guys were gonna try to watch it this weekend, you, you and you didn't get to, right? No, we did. Um, yeah, my wife has seen it, which is weird that she's seen a movie and I haven't, because that's like this might be the first time that's ever happened. Right. Um, uh, yeah, last night we were going to sit down and watch it. Uh-huh. By the time everything was said and done, it was like ten thirty at night, which isn't really late, but we had what choice of one thing to watch. Right. It was either Jaws or the last episode of uh, Seven Seconds on Netflix, which was an hour and a half long, and that one. And you're and you're really what, into that. That's what my wife. Yeah. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you should watch it's, it's, it's a great movie. Don't watch it. Uh, like if you're about to go on a vacation near water, cause it's just kind of freaky out unless you're not, you plan to not go swimming anyway, but, uh, it's, uh, it's great. I mean, there were some movies that have come out since then. Like maybe it was like deep blue sea and, yes. uh, open water, I think. And, and they're all compared and they're just nothing is good as good as the original jaws. So, um, but yeah, there you go. That's, that's my, uh, number three. You're gonna need a bigger boat. Let's find out, Jim, what your number two is right now. Uh, okay, mine is uh, 1991, and that movie is Hook. This is not my number two. What? <laughs> I left it off your list. I left it off my list. I know. Intentionally? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm aware of it. I, I knew. <laughs> I yeah I did, I did. I like I'm, I like a lot of his movies. Some people don't like a lot of them. You 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 like maybe just these five we're talking about, right? It some people don't. Some people love all his. I I like I like seven or eight of them, and Hook is one of them. And I chose to leave it off. And I it doesn't mean it. I don't love the movie. I absolutely love this movie, but. Um, Okay, Go. it's it's your pick, Jim. You tell me about Hook. Okay, um, it's a, a modern day uh, Peter Pan. So Captain Hook kidnaps Peter Pan's uh, children when he's an adult. He was played by Robin Williams. Yeah. And he must return to Neverland to reclaim his youthful spirit and to challenge his old enemy, Captain Hook. That's pretty much it. That's it. Um. <laughs> Robin Williams became best friends with Steven Spielberg after making the movie. And reportedly after uh, Robin Williams died, Spielberg watched the film out of remembrance, but he couldn't finish it because he couldn't stop crying. Oh, that's sad. I know. We did the same thing. Um, we watched Aladdin uh, when, after Robin Williams died. We were big. Uh, I, think I, watched, I think I watched Hook, too, actually. Yeah. 
Um, there's a kissing couple floating in some fairy dust, and it's actually George Lucas and Carrie Fisher. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, oh, that's in the that's at the Haskins. end, right? That's at the end of the movie. I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I remember that. Uh, Bob Haskins uh, bought beer for 300 plus extras after a lengthy and complicated scene was cut. <laughs> oh. Uh, I got a new take on Julia Roberts after reading this. Her nickname on the set was Tinker Hell because she was difficult to deal with, which was a reaction from her working conditions of solitude and green screen. Because she never worked with any other actors. She was only on green screen. I suppose. And that makes sense. Uh, but she almost put the, the production into jeopardy when she fled to California after her wedding to keep, keep her Sutherland was called off which I didn't even know ever happened. I, she decided to avoid the press by hiding out in Ireland, and Steven Spielberg uh, reportedly threatened to fire her if she didn't return immediately. Hmm. I don't know if I like <laughs> her anymore. <laughs> right. Wow. And uh, the only other thing I have is uh, the word bangerang. Yes. Is actually Jamaican slang hmm. for an uproar or a disturbance. Well... That they yell it, and then an uproar and a disturbance comes a running. So, mm-hmm. nice, nice. I love this movie. I feel bad at leaving it off, and I, I, I we just watched it recently. I find, I showed my son it for the first time uh, about a couple months ago, actually, and it's a great movie. Good pick, Jim. What else you got on it? Anything? I love talking about this movie. I said that was it. Okay, <laughs> all right, fine, fine. Please, please do that. I go. The last thing I have is this, and you go, great. What else do you have? Yeah. Is this go back to me not listening? Is that what we're talking about again? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. No, yeah, I, bit. I, I'm just trying to fill the void. I'm sorry. Seek his revenge. Only you can save your children. You must make yourself remember. Remember what? Peter, don't you know who you are? Have to fly. Have to fight. Have to crow. Have to save Maggie. Have to save Jack. I should have put this on. I, I regret not putting this on. Um, but I went with um, my number one we talked about was Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, my number two is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. <laughs> wow, two Indiana Jones Yes. Movies. I was like, I was, like you said, you said you, you put one, you had to pick one, you put one on. And I was going to do that. I was going to be like, I'm, I'm going to put only one 
one uh, Indiana Jones in there, but I I love absolutely love the third movie, absolutely love it, and uh, and I watched it with my son for the first time this weekend. He loved it, and and it just as I was watching it, I just was like, man, this is a really good movie. <laughs> it's like for being a sequel or or the third movie in a franchise, or however you want to say it. Um, it holds, it holds up, especially, and it holds right up there with the Raiders of, well, Raiders of the Lost Ark, the original one. It's great. It's, um, you know, and of course, anyone who doesn't know, I talked about this during a sequels episode, but who, people who don't know, it's got Sean Connery's and is now playing Indiana Jones' dad, although they were only 10 years apart when they were filming this movie. <laughs> um, they're still 10 years apart, by the way. That doesn't change. Um, sorry. <laughs> and, uh... In the, the story is uh, Sean Connery's father gets taken by the Nazis because they're trying to look for the Holy Grail. And, um, and, uh, and Harrison Ford, or Indiana Jones, goes to find him. And that's how the, that's how the movie kind of goes. And it takes, it, it, and it takes place two years after Rage of the Lost Ark um, does, timeline-wise. And it's, uh, it's awesome. It's awesome. It shows uh, Indiana, Harrison Ford, as most people know, has that signature scar on his chin, which came from, a, I believe, a car automobile accident when he was younger. And, um, and so they, in the beginning of this movie, they show um, uh, a young Indiana Jones, uh, how he finds his, his signature whip. And um, he snaps it for the first time and cuts himself in the in the chin. So like they're implying like that's how he got his his scar. And I thought that was kind of cool. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, it's just it's a awesome movie. I I absolutely love it. It's a it's a lot of fun. Um, the scenes where they you know they shoot in Venice, Italy. They shoot um, Petra is that is is that big building at the end where it's carved into a rock. It's so cool um, when they—that's where they go in to find the Grail. The real Petra uh, doesn't have an indoor like you, <laughs> there's no thing you go into. Um, it's just—it's it, just a building face into the face of the rock. Um, it's awesome. It uh, this inspired uh, because uh, River Phoenix played the young Indiana Jones in that scene I was talking about. It inspired George Lucas to create the television series, The Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, just from... Who used to watch that? Yeah, I, li- I like that show. I've been trying to find that, like, on Netflix and Hulu and stuff. I haven't. Have you... Have you, you I don't know if you reached out to find that, but... I have. I, I want to say it was on Amazon Prime. Actually. Oh, man. I got... Okay, I'm going to look after we get done recording, because I, I like that show, and I don't know how long it was on, but uh, I really enjoyed that. Um, you keep talking. I'll look it up. Okay, I'll keep talking. Um... This uh, Indiana's trademark after this movie, Indiana's trademark hat, jacket, and whip, um, were now were put into the Smithsonian um, National Museum of American History, and remained on display there until they decided to make uh, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull in 2008, um, and then uh, then put it back after they were done. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's pretty much. Everyone knows this movie. It's a, it's great. Oh, well, the opening scene again. Going back to the, the young stuff, uh, Steven Spielberg was in, uh, included the opening scene as a tribute to his own experiences as a Boy Scout. Um, it's implied that those kids are like Boy Scouts or Cub Scouts or whatever you want to call them, um, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, it's just it's so it's so cool. Um, it's just a fun movie. Um, when asked about like, this trilogy, like. And they knew they're gonna put someone in as Indiana's father. Like, well, who's gonna play Indiana Jones's father? And Steven Spielberg, who we've talked about, wanted to make a James Bond film, 
and Sean Connery, of course, is famous for being the first James Bond, said, well, James Bond would be Indiana Jones' his dad so they're like they asked Sean Connery to do it and and that was it um Sean Connery was really funny on set he um the whole scene when they're in the in the zeppelin when they're trying to fly out of Nazi Germany um and they're sitting at a table talking um they both Sean Connery and Harrison Ford both uh wore no pants during that scene (laughs) because it was extremely hot in the studio that day and Connery didn't want to sweat too much so he decided not to wear pants, and then Harrison Ford took off his pants too, I guess to make him more comfortable. I don't know. <laughs> but I thought that was kind of interesting. And then the scene, which is so gross, uh, of all the rats that they have in the sewer, um, they were real. A thousand of them, or two thousand of them, sorry, were real rats. Some of them were, depending on what the scene was for, some of them weren't real. But two thousand rats were actually bred for this pr- production specifically. Um, because if they use ordinary rats, of course, they'd be riddled with diseases and stuff. They couldn't do that. So they bred real rats for that scene. And it's, uh, oh, it's so creepy, especially when they're crawling through her hair and stuff. Ugh, it's just gross. Ugh. I'm not a, a, no. The only rat I adore is Splinter from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that's my number two. I, I, my number one and number two are Indiana Jones movies because they're, uh, I love them. I love those movies. They're so much fun. So what'd you find out about young Indiana Jones? Um, I found out that Rages of the Lost Ark, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, Temple of Doom, The Last Crusade, and The Young Indiana Jones are all included with Amazon Prime right now. Boom! All right. I don't use my Prime. I don't watch things on Prime as much as I should, so I'm going to go. Well, that's awesome. Now you made my night, Jim. You made my night. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. We're about to complete a great quest. The Holy Grail, Dr. Jones. Oh, rats. This is it. Look, the shield is the second marker. We found it. Indiana Jones is on the quest of a lifetime. But for some adventures, one Jones is not enough. Dad? Junior? Don't call me that, please. Follow me! I know the way! race across three continents and in this sort of race there's no silver medal for finishing second hang on dad we're going in into the homeland of the enemy nazis i hate these guys our situation has not improved in his search for the holy grail Me. Are you crazy? Don't go between them! Go between them! Are you crazy? Where's my father? In the belly of that steel beast. Dad! Junior! You call this archaeology? The quest for the grail is not archaeology. It's a race against evil. Germany has declared war on the Jones boys. Those people are trying to kill us. I know, Dad! It's a new experience for me. Happens to me all the time. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Have the adventure of your life. Keeping up with the Joneses. All right, Jim, What did you have any honorable mentions? Now, I know I left a couple off, which you talked about. Do you have any more? 
Oh, man. Um, you know, one for me, and I didn't include it on my list because it's an anthology movie, but it was uh, the Twilight Zone movie. Yeah. Because Spielberg directed one of the short stories out of the four. But w- didn't he do the – which one did he do? What scene did he do? Um, you know, I, I didn't get that far. When I found out he didn't do the whole thing, I stopped researching right. it. I think it was the one where the guy's in, in uh, Vietnam or something. I think that's the one he did. Well, anyway, that's a great movie, by the way. I, I love that movie. Yeah. Um, gosh, okay, so let me find out here. I'm going to pull up the list again because it's, I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. But right. ones we haven't talked about. If you say Minority Report. I... <laughs> <laughs> um, Catch Me If You Can was really good. I like that movie a lot. I like Catch Me If You Can. Um, I, I didn't realize he's doing Ready Player One. That's a Spielberg movie. Yeah, well, that's we forgot to mention that at the top of the show. I mentioned it on our Facebook. Uh, that's kind of why we decided to do this week, you because know, that movie comes out here in a couple days. So, in oh, honor of his new that. movie, we decided to do Spielberg movies, but uh, buried the lead on that one. <laughs> so, since I didn't even realize, Chip <laughs> didn't even know. Yeah, that movie looks cool though. I mean, hopefully, hopefully it does well. So. I mean, honestly, that's it for me. I, yeah. I I don't. There's really not a whole lot left. Yeah, I have all the ones that we we kind of mentioned. Um, you know, the the second Indiana Jones, I uh, I like that movie a lot. Um, and then uh, uh, we talked about Schindler's List and and uh, oh, Adventures of Tintin, which I kind of like that movie. Um, I don't know if you ever seen that one animated movie. Uh, pretty cool. I I think that was kind of it was a lot of fun. Um, and then uh, there's a movie called Duel. Jim, have you ever heard of Duel? No. It was one of his first movies, but it was made for TV, so I kind of left it off for that reason. And uh, so it was in the early 70s, I think, or maybe even late 60s. But it's a guy, uh, a a crazy trucker, who decides to chase another guy in a car, and you never see the trucker. You always just. So basically, this guy's just. This trucker is chasing this car throughout the whole movie, and it's 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 a really good movie. It's really good. Um, So I like that one a lot, but yeah. Ugh, good stuff, man. All right, are you are you good on Steven Spielberg now? Oh yeah, for sure. I think we we I think we're done here. All right, <laughs> what do you want to do next week? We talked about it already. We're gonna do baseball movies, right? Baseball movies, yeah. All right, in honor of opening day, Jim, are you gonna take me to Cleveland Indians opening day when I come to visit you in Cleveland? No, no. Oh, uh, two oh. reasons. One, I don't think we get tickets, and two, um. <laughs> It'll probably snow because it usually does that. Oh, that's true. Let's not. I don't want to. I don't want to sit in snow. I just don't. Uh, all right. Well, we're gonna do that. Um, in the meantime, Jim, where can everyone talk to us, hear us, stalk us? Uh, just just say our names three times, and yeah. we'll be there. Tell tell your uh, tell your Google Alexa or whatever you've been putting in your in your house to bug your own home. They'll find us. All right, all right, man. Anything else before we go? I'm I'm running out of steam here. No, I need to eat a snack or something. <laughs> Ooh, fiber. All right, I'm in. I'll, <laughs> I'll call you back in five minutes. I'll be eating my snack. Okay. <laughs>